What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Pain to Profits. I'm your host, Samson Jagoras. And on every episode, we're unpacking the wisdom and knowledge of entrepreneurs who have been in the trenches or are going through the trenches currently with the intent to help you guys save time and level up. And today I got my friend Hunter Wiley from Beyond Blue Media and Foundry Advisors to just share his story. Mm. And we're going to talk a lot about his transition today as he's kind of in this rebirth phase of his business. So Hunter, mm. welcome to the show, bro. Thanks for having me, man. You're inspiration and it's an honor to be here, man. Seriously. Wow. Inspiration. Yeah. I appreciate that, dude. That's some heavy shoes to feel. So I know, man. Putting the pressure on me today. <laughs> Let's go. Um, so... We have an interesting background yeah. of how we know each other. Mm-hmm. I hired you mm-hmm. at some point in time to come work at a media company where I was at. Mm-hmm. And you came in for a short period of time and then pivoted to go do your own thing. And I think it's because you just have always been entrepreneurial. Mm. And it was hard to come into an organization where you couldn't fully flex your entrepreneurship. But why don't we start there, man? Let's let's talk about your journey into entrepreneurship and Pick up the conversation. Love it, man. Yeah. You know, it's a blessing and curse. You know, there's there's times where I'm like, man, I, I wish I could just enjoy a W-2. You know, <laughs> I wish I could just love it and and be that guy. Um, I'm not. It's not the way that guy wired me. Um, you know, since it, since I was a kid, man, in middle school, flipping candy bars and flipping <laughs> shoes. And yeah. um, I was just one of those guys that just was like stupid enough to keep starting things and keep failing. Right. Um, and so, man, it, it I, I don't know where that comes from. Um, Your parents aren't entrepreneurial? No, um, but I, I did see, you know, I, I grew up fairly, um, you know, poor. It doesn't feel like the right word, but it might be. Um, I just remember waking up at 3 a.m. every morning with my mom to go throw newspapers out. Um, and I just sat next to her when we got up and threw newspapers out the front door and um, on, onto people's front porches. And um, I just thought like, man, I don't want this. <laughs> yeah. I don't want this for my future because my mom has to work four jobs for us to pay the bills. Wow. Um, and I just, I, I think that's where it came, to be honest with you, is it this anxiety and fear of like, man, I don't want this for myself. I hate the relationship that my family has with money. And so I, I got to get better. I, I got to do something different. And so um, from a young age, I started flipping things, man. Yeah, I did that. That was the exact, I mean, my, can't say that we were like affluent. So it's kind of the opposite. I wasn't like flipping candy bars and stuff. I played sports. Yeah. I learned work ethic and and that was like the path to like a better life. You know what I mean? Come but on. I had a similar experience of, you know, watching my dad just slave away yeah. and make okay-ish money. Yeah. I mean, however you define that. But uh, I knew I knew and never wanted to sling hammers. Right. Um, I knew that I wanted to be the guy owning the construction company. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't ever forget my dad. Um, worked for this incredible couple. The guy was actually the CEO of Robinson's May. And so some people may not even know what that is, but Macy's, JCPenney, mm. Robinson's May was up there as like one of the largest department stores. Mm. And I remember we would go to their house and they treated us totally normal. Mm. Like they didn't care that we were not very wealthy, but they lived in this baller pad. I mean, this house was insane. And yeah. My dad did all the custom woodwork. It was phenomenal. And then we would go home we go to our little half duplex, mm-hmm. you know, where we lived. It wasn't so nice and kind of in the hood, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I remember having a distinct thought being like, man, this is, why not me? Like, why, what does mm. this guy have that we don't have? And what did he do that I'm not doing? And so that's definitely yeah. been a motivator for me. So I think I can relate to you on that. But mm. I didn't really quite figure that out until I got probably done playing sports. Yeah. And uh, figured out that I had this entrepreneurial bug. But yeah, 
No, and same here, man. I, you know, I played college basketball. I played ball throughout. And, you know, I, I was just always the, I got past the baton of you're the leader now. Mm-hmm. And so I just had to like figure it out of leadership. And man, that was like a game changer for me. If well, what does it look like to be a true leader? Yeah. Um, which translated into business and family and all the things. Yeah. So when you came to work for us at the media company, mm-hmm. saw marketing, was there like a catalyst event where you're like, dude, I feel like I could just go do this or something similar to this on my own. Um, yeah. I mean, again, I'm, I'm probably just stupid enough to think that I can do it better than everybody else. Um, <laughs> that's just the reality, um, which again is another curse. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, after the first month, I'm thinking, man, I hate sitting at a desk all day I, and working for other people. Um, and I'm really good at sales. Yeah. And so why would I not, you know, I need to get a couple clients to make up for my salary, right? Right. Um, and so it, it just became a no-brainer for me. You figured you could just sell your way through and figure it out. So what are the misconceptions that you had about jumping into business full-time like that? And, uh, you know, sales only takes you so far. Right. And then you got to actually execute on the marketing stuff that you're selling and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, What, what did you learn in that, in that first year or two as you were making that transition? <sighs> I, well, I didn't know how to scale a business. I knew how to sell. I knew how to create relationships. Um, I didn't really even fully know how to do marketing. Right. <laughs> that was never something. You knew that, what it was. You could like talk about it. I could talk about it. Yeah. Um, and so that was phase one for me. Phase two was really just years of of learning the ins and outs of business and ins and outs of marketing and how it works and the right people to hire and what to delegate, what not to delegate. Um but I, you know, at still my gifting is relationships, connecting deeply with people and sales, yeah. right? Like that's still the thing that drives me. Yeah. Um, and I just have to hire people around me that are better than me at the things that I'm not good at. Yeah. To backfill in all your weaknesses. Totally. And there's so, so many. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how big is your team right now? Uh, 12 employees. 12 employees, all full-time. All full-time, W-2. Yep. And what do those What do those look like? What are the roles and functions in that business? Yeah, um, three SEO guys. Uh, we have a, we just created an in-house videography photography team. Um, so that's a new service that we offer clients. And then um, a couple web developers, graphic designers, an ad director, um, and then some admin folks and project managers. Yeah. Was Did you see that, that media and marketing like that was an opportunity or what was the draw to the industry? Because you could have went broke off and did anything else. Why do you end up deciding on doing that? Yeah. I don't know if I ever really had a huge passion for marketing. Yeah. Um, it, it just was this desire to build something and grow something and connect with people. Like if I was just adding value and doing it through relationships, it could, I could have been selling poop. You know what I mean? I could sell whatever, <laughs> dude. Like manure sales, top exa- manure salesman. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. So it, it could have been anything. I don't think, yeah, I don't have this like fire for marketing. I mean, it's, I love it. It's good, but what I love is the people. What I love is the growth and momentum and seeing other people have momentum. That's the fun part for me. Yeah. So fast forward to kind of today, I think that's kind of where you're at and kind of the rebirth of what you're thinking about doing and where you're thinking about spending a lot of your time. So I'd yeah. love to touch on that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm still in that phase of what does scaling really well look like? And I'm sure there's entrepreneurs listening to this podcast who are in a similar boat that I'm in. In hey, I can... there are times where we can sell a million dollars in a year and then we can do 2 million a year, but it's the same net profit. Yeah. And I, and there's times where I'm like, man, is the extra million dollars to not make any more money worth it? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, is that, it sounds good on paper, right? But if you're not profitable, what does it matter? Right. Right. So, you know, 
is it a carrot of like, you got to get a couple more million a year and then you start to make some really good money. And so those are the things that I'm always wrestling with because we do well and, you know, we're profitable, but um, the, the crossroads that I'm always thinking about is why the extra million? Why, why am I always chasing more? And I want to be really intentional about that. Yeah. Right. Because I, if I'm making the same amount, bottom line at the end of the year, but I did an extra million and had a, another million dollars worth of stress, was that worth it? Yeah. What do you, what do you think the roadblock is right now to getting more profitable while you're, while you're trying to scale and grow or get that extra million? Why, like, why, why do you think personally when you add that extra million, you're not more profitable? Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a scalability piece that we're trying to work around because I know that we can do it way cheaper and our margins can be way better, but I just don't want to look like everybody else. I'd rather make less on the bottom line and pay people really well yeah. um, that deserve to be paid really well than, um, you know, outsource certain things to India and do, you know, cut people's pay and, and do overwork people. And so, or like reduce the quality of the product right. to, to get a better margin. And, and a lot of marketing companies do that. And it just, it, that's why there's crazy amounts of turnover. That's why people have to spend so much for their own marketing to retain clients mm. is for that reason. Yeah. And I just didn't want to, I was not in, interested in being in the business of churn and burn and, uh, you know, turnover all the time. Like, I just didn't want that. Yeah. And it's a, it's a tough industry to, the, the, a lot of industries you can build something and you can run with it for years. Right. But marketing is evolving and Google does not care that you just figured out how to manage ads on their platform. They're going to change it and do what they see fit. Right. Facebook's the same way. Then you got Instagram. Then you got TikTok. Mm -hmm. Then you got email. Then email's off. Then email's backed on. And then LinkedIn rolled out a content platform. Yeah. And all of a sudden you write newsletters on there and you got to be figure out how to be a LinkedIn creator. And it's just an ever moving target. Right. And so I think it's an, I personally think in the agency model, it might be impossible to scale unless you niche down. Right. Have you guys thought about that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And, and we, we've thought about niching down, not with within an industry, but within products. Mm. Like here's what we do really well. Yeah. You know, we are, I think we are the best SEO company in Colorado. Uh, that's just what we do best. Yeah. And we can do that all day long and it, we do it well and we can do it quickly. And But other products that we have aren't as profitable, you yeah. know, and we're good at them, but I wouldn't say we're the best. We are the best SEO. That's sick, which is funny too, because like, I feel like SEO maybe today is considered like old hat. Yeah. Um, it well, it just doesn't get talked about as much as like content production does or anything like that. hundred percent. And a lot of people think it's snake oil. Right. Well, cause for a lot of years, it was, <laughs> right? Know, right. Because you could like, oh, you $35,000 and we're going to SEO your website and people are like, sure. I don't know Sounds what that great. means. Yeah. But yeah. What is SEO? Right. Like, how do you actually do it? You know? Right. So real quick on that, what, what do you think uh, is important right now for just business owners who are thinking about search engine optimization? That's what SEO stands for if you're not knowing what that means. But what do you think is the most important thing they should be focusing on as it relates to SEO? Yeah. I mean, most companies don't spend enough time thinking about their Google My Business page, their GBP profile. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what we see is like a really easy wins to drive lots of lots of calls, lots of conversions is is just going hyper local. Yeah. That doesn't work for everybody. If you're an e-commerce brand, it's that's probably not the best route for you. But sure. um I, I love the Google My Business route and optimizing that and getting it to the front page and the four pack. Like that's that's stuff that gets me going. Yeah. Well, yeah, one of the things we do with the gym that I own that we're at right now, um, is leveraging SEO by asking for reviews. So good. So just like being intentional with like, hey, we want to rank for personal training. So let's go ask personal training clients 
to write a review explicitly on personal training. Hey, we oh, want to we want to rank for a registered dietitian. Hey, right. Ask them to write that specifically, sports performance, so on and so right. forth. Because you're getting third party referral. Yeah. You're getting a great five star review, which right. gives you street cred. And then you're going to rank without actually having to put content onto your website. Right. You got to ask people for the best gym near me in Windsor, Fort Collins, Loveland, <laughs> Tim Nith. Yeah, the algorithm has moved so far beyond that that it can interpret that like if you have, you know, 60 reviews about being a personal trainer that you probably might be the best gym near that person who's right. searching. <laughs> right. It, yeah, it can uh, it can inference is right. the word, which is a little bit scary too for sure. you know, when you stop and think about it. So where where's the um where's the business going? Like you guys are you're shifting and thinking at, and I, and we, we don't have to talk about this if you don't want to, but I know that you had some shakeup in the leadership mm-hmm. and your CEO kind of went separate ways and all that. So you guys are in a little bit of a, a pause as, or not pause, a little bit of a turning point, a pivot yeah. point. So what are you, what are you thinking about next? Where, where should you be? Yeah, man. Um, the big word that I've been reflecting on for our company is simplicity. Mm. Uh, for years, we've made things really complex. We've had too many services. We've, we've done too much. And I think most marketing companies are guilty of that. Sure. Most companies are guilty of that. Like, dude, you have 500 products. Like you need to have four, right? right? And so that's what I'm I'm looking at. Even in our organizational chart, how do we just create simplicity? Um, I say this all the time in our staff meetings, but I, I believe that to be clear is to be kind. Mm. And I wanna be a kind company. I wanna be extra, extra clear. I wanna have a clear vision and I want simplicity. I, I, wanna, I wanna windle things down to where any Joe Schmo can pick up what we're doing. Mm. Yeah, I, I think we get caught in the trap with the agency model. People just, they want the one-stop shop, but unfortunately, like, right. it just, it doesn't work. You know, yeah. it's like, that's like going to an Italian restaurant and be like, yo, can you uh, whip me up some orange chicken? You know? <laughs> like, right. We could, but right. uh, that's next door. You For, know sure. What I mean? For sure. So, so you also got this new project you're working on, Foundry Advisors. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's um, speaking a little bit to where your heart's at. And, I, mm. you know, I think you've alluded to this. You started the business with not this... You didn't wake up in the morning going to sleep like super jacked about marketing, but you saw a great opportunity to create a good business and help yeah. people. But let's talk about Foundry Advisors. Yeah. What, what's that all about? Yeah, man. Um, you know, I, I've i really benefited from being in peer advisory groups. I, I've, I've benefited from sitting in a circle of other entrepreneurs where they can call me out on my BS. Yeah. Um, they can hold me accountable and they can lift me higher and I can do the same for them. And, you know, I just saw a, a, a need in our community of, um, Jesus following entrepreneurs getting together who they're talking about their faith. They're talking about business. They're talking about stewardship. Right. Um, and so I just wanted to create a company that gathered people. Um, I believe that it's my spiritual gifting is, is apostleship, which basically just means like, Hey, come with me. Let's let, like, let's get together. Let's get in a group where this is where we're going. That's my spiritual gifting. Yeah. And so it, it doesn't even feel like work just to gather people to get them together. Let's talk about the hard things, the ugly things, um, let's talk about our faith and how it in- integrates in the marketplace. Um, well, you, you were on the path to go be a pastor, right? Right, right. Yeah. I, I, you know, I always thought I was going to be a pastor. I still think I'm going to be a pastor, but... Um, you, you moonlight on the weekends sometimes. I do. That's right. Every now and then, yeah. Um, so anyways, I, I, God's just calling me to do ministry in the marketplace, to be a pastor in the marketplace. Hmm. And so, I, man, it, it's just, it's a blessing. So we have groups that, that are meeting um, almost every week now. Um, but it's a group of 10 to 11 Christian business owners. They get together once a month and we, we just hash out, you know, hard issues of, Hey, I need to fire this person. Help me understand how to do that as a godly man. 
you know, yeah. and, and getting input and feedback and, uh, you know, all of those things of stewardship, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I dislike about business over the last 20 years is it was very much like the separation of faith and mm. business. Yeah. And for good reason. I think some people definitely use the the Christian card. You yeah. Know, they'll, they'll put the fish on the card and they'll use it as a way to try to break in. And, you know, they're just as quick to screw you over as the next guy will. thousand percent. Um, but I think there's a place to um, just show the world who you are and not be ashamed about it. I mm. mean, shoot, that's why I went into business for myself is I don't want to be censored on, on what I'm saying. And right. if that doesn't align with you, that's fine. Um, we don't have to do business together. That's right. the beautiful thing about capitalism, capitalism. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do see that there's this desire for people to speak freely about what they believe and, and, and entrepreneurs who want to give their business to the Lord right. and let them lead it. And, and that's where I'm at too. And that's a, sh- a big catalyst for the podcast is, mm. is to create a platform to just have more influence, to attract those kinds of people to, like you mm. to sit down and have these conversations uh, about faith. But what do you, what do you see in those, in those meetings and in those rooms are some of the biggest challenges that these Christian entrepreneurs are up against? Yeah. A lot of the same things that I struggle with, which is why I created it. You yeah. know, how do we scale well? Um, h- how much is how much is too much? H- how do I grow really well without being consumed by the carrot that's out in front of me? Yeah, of like the the undisciplined approach to more wealth. Yes, uh, and what does stewardship look like? Mm. Um, I think yeah, a lot of Christian business owners get caught up in. You're right. They're like, hey. The, just going to throw asterisk Jesus at the bottom and um, hopefully I'll get some more deals. Yeah, but, John one sixteen. and yeah, your footnotes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but it really doesn't translate. Like the, there's no generosity. There's no humility. There's no, like the fruits aren't there. Yeah. And so I want to be a part of a group where men and women are getting together and I can see their business and see, wow, these guys are generous. They're, they're tithing well. Um, they're loving their neighbors well. They're loving their clients well. Um, and they're, yeah, they're obsessed with with loving people well. Right. Yeah. And and being great, right? Like you're given a gift and an opportunity, which I think business is and right. do it well and do it in a way that honors the person that gave you the gift or the, yes. the creator that gave you the gift. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's the challenge, man, because we, we talk, we we're talking about it before the podcast kicked off, but it's so easy to let your identity become the business. hundred percent. Yeah, I did this. Same. I built this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a there's a thin line between significance and prominence, right? Mm. If, you, if you chase significance, you'll find success. But if you chase prominence, then you'll become arrogant, and that's the uh, the arrogance happens before the fall, right? Always, and then it's ripped away from you, or you get that next million dollars, or mm. you close that next customer, and you're still not satisfied, right? Right? It's never ending. It's yeah, a, it's a never ending cycle of unhealth. And I've been so guilty of this. I mean, I, I regularly reflect back on years or months where I was consumed with the business and it became my identity. Mm. It became, man, I, I am significant because of the business or I am worthy because I have a successful business or I am whatever you want to put in front of it. Yeah. And man, that is just a scary place to, to live. Yeah, and I think it's important for people listening to this is sometimes that's why we feel this need to go take the leap is we want more recognition. Yeah. We want more prominence mm. and you better make sure that you're doing it um out of you know wanting to make more impact and significance because eventually you get kicked in the head and you know right. it just looks like hard work and you might want to quit a yeah. thousand times over you know and so if you don't really love what you're doing it 
can be really challenging to keep going and build a great business. Right. Know? So check check your heart posture. Like, mm-hmm. where's your heart posture at? If you're starting something new, if you're, you know, adding a new department, if you're adding a new service, like, what's the heart posture? Is, is, is it just this again undisciplined approach to to more, um, or is it is it a really intentional way to steward the gift that God's given you? Like, because there, there's there's ditches that you can fall on either side. Yeah, I am constantly just talking to people about casting a clear vision. Mm. When you first started your business, did you have a clear vision or was it really like, let's go make some money and build a great business? Uh, yeah, man, I, I've always been a dreamer. So I had I had a dream of what it would look like before it was created. Um, you know, I, the name Beyond Blue Media came from sitting with my business partners at the Egg and I in Loveland before it became First Watch. And um, we, you know, we were just talking about, man, we really wanna do things better. Like we wanna go above and beyond for people. And so that's where that word came from. And so we just had this vision of here's what it could look like. And here's what the office space could look like. And here's how many employees we could have. And so I've always been a dreamer, but it's pivoted, you know, as, as the seasons have changed, I think it's okay to, to pivot that vision um, as you're steering the ship to say, Hey, actually, I actually don't know if I want to go there. I don't know if I want to be there. I don't know if I want that many employees. And so as the years (laughs) go on, the number of employees scales back for me. (laughs) It's like, I don't want a hundred employees. It doesn't sound fun to me at all. It's a lot. The dynamic changes drastically as somebody who's been there. So, yeah. So, and I think that that's what we tend to do when we first create a a 10 year vision is we talk about all the achievement, like check hundred employees, check office, check. But I'm talking about what's the impact? Mm. What, what, what's the legacy that you want to leave beyond the business, beyond your life here mm. that how will you be remembered? So I guess. Is, and that's, that's the difference, right? And I think that's the question we have to ask ourselves because it's no different than working in a high income job. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I'm going to buy the mansion and I'm going to buy the dope car and I'm going to do yeah. X, Y, and Z. Those are just like bucket list egotistical things. You right. Know? Um, so impact is, is super crucial. And then you kind of back into it from there. And I feel like that's what Foundry Advisors is really is for you is it's filling that cup of like, right. this is how I want to be remembered is pouring into other entrepreneurs and, and ministering to them because right. it is lonely. It's incredibly lonely as an entrepreneur. For sure. And not having other entrepreneurs and knowing who to turn to and who, who's, who's a believer, who's not a believer. I have a men's group that I go to every Tuesday, 6.30 a.m. Shout out to all you guys. And... um <laughs> And some of my greatest relationships have come from that because mm. we can open up our hearts and talk about the life stuff. Yeah. And I know that it's a bunch of other entrepreneurs, business mm. owners who are all experiencing the same thing. And we got all different age groups from, you know, people younger to people much older. And mm. it's a, it's just a tremendous, tremendous gift. What's your, what's your ultimate vision for Foundry Advisors? Yeah, man, I recently um, wrote down my eulogy, uh, like, oh, shoot. Yeah, this is what I want to be remembered for. And I'm, I'm looking at it frequently. Um, majority of it is surrounding how I want to be remembered as a father and as a husband. So that that's like takes up the majority of the eulogy. But there's pieces of it of I, I want to be remembered as the guy who um, played a, s- a significant role and was a pillar in the marketplace as a pastor, as, as doing marketplace ministry. Um, and so I, I get a high when I get to talk about my faith with people in business that would have never attend a Sunday service. Right. But now I get an opportunity because I have a relationship with them. And so those are the things that really excite me. I don't know if it's a dollar amount. Um, that's not something that I really care to be remembered for, but it's more about the what you talked about, the impact and the people giving their life to a faith that they would have never given themselves to if it wasn't for the marketplace and relationships that we had. That's so good. I mean, I feel like, you know, um, the traditional church model 
has hurt a lot of people. Yeah. And so a lot of people, they, they believe, but they don't dive deeply into their faith um, because they don't really have a place to turn or go where they can actually do that and learn mm. and grow and, and, you know, open themselves up. Right. right. And so that's awesome that you're creating that. What, um, what does somebody need to do in order to get involved? Like maybe there's a Northern Colorado entrepreneur who's listening to this right now and they're like, how do mm. we get a part of that group? Yeah. The foundryadvisory.com. Uh, is a great place to go get started. You can fill out kind of where your business is at revenue wise, uh, where you, where you're going, how your faith plays into business. And then, um, yeah, I'll reach out to you and, and see if there's a spot for a group. We, we have two full groups right now and start another one in January. So, um, it, things are kind of filling up quickly, but, uh, we, there's a need like the, every time I talk to an entrepreneur who loves Jesus, that's lonely in the business world. They're like, Oh my gosh, like <laughs> yeah. I'm, can I join right now? You know? Yeah. So it's a, it's a fairly easy sell in that way. Is there like a minimum uh, you got to have in revenue Mm-mm. employees to get in? No minimum. Just for anybody. So it's all across the spectrum. Yep. Are you, are you thinking about evolving that over time and maybe yeah. breaking groups up based off of where they're at in their business life cycle and whatnot? Yeah. Yeah. We're looking at a, a 10 million plus group um, that's starting probably mid 2023. Sweet. Yeah. And then do you need advisors and people that can support on that? We do, yeah, and and we're always looking for coaches and mentors and um, f- future facilitators. So if that's if that's kind of strikes a chord with you, feel free to reach out to me. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about your family. Let's do so it. So you have uh, you've been married for how long now? Three years. Okay, and you have a little one. I have a little one. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, he's he's about to turn two. Um, got another one on the way. Little girl on the way, due in February. Um, so. Yeah, yeah th- those are the kinds of things that are like uh, pivotal and changing how you're thinking about doing business in life too. Hundred percent. I think uh, for me, you know, I worked in a in a really rocket ship company for a number of years, which was just like an incredible opportunity. Yeah. But man, it was starting to steal a lot of my joy because I wanted to have more time in my community, more time with my family, more time with my friends. Yeah. More time to go do the things that God put on my heart too. Mm. So, how has that changed your approach to business? And maybe like how much, uh, how you think about or build your business. Yeah. Here's the thing that I'm trying to safeguard right now, because I, I show up for my wife and my son right now. I mean, I, I'm home at a decent hour. I'm, I'm present. But the thing that I'm trying to safeguard is when I'm there, where's my brain at? Because my memory chip, my RAM storage in my brain regularly gets filled up and I have yeah. nothing to give emotionally or mentally to my family. And so that's the thing that like, hey, if, if you're stealing, you know, the memory chip that's in my brain, like it better be really good and really valuable because I'm, I'm trying to give them as much space of that as I can because I'm guilty of coming home and at a decent hour again, like I said, but I, the brain is fried. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's hard. How do you regulate that? I'm an introvert. So I, I know that I, if I don't get morning time in, mm. I, I, I'm already off to a bad start. Like I, I got to get two hours in the word and reading and most, most likely going to the gym, like finding solitude to start my day off sets me up for success. It's interesting that you call yourself an introvert. Is that because you do better like in a one-on-one setting? Because I, I mm-hmm. but big groups like exhaust you? Um, not big groups. Small talk exhausts me. Mm-hmm. Um, working a room is not really my thing. You know, I'm not going to be the loudest guy in the room. I, I deeply need to connect with people to f- get filled up, but I, I am an introvert through and through. Yeah. I think that's important though. Did you know that about yourself when you were going into business or is that something that you've kind of become more aware of as you've grown as an entrepreneur? I knew that. You yeah. Did. And I knew that was going to be a challenge because I, you know, going to like networking events and like, that's just, dude, that stuff drains me. 
Yeah, where I'm like the exact opposite. You're like, give me all the people all the time. Yeah, like three people, eh, 300 people, <laughs> let's go. You know, I don't know. My wife's the same way. She's like, I don't get you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's important too as entrepreneurs that we just take some inventory on ourselves and like really understand who we are mm. and where our weaknesses are. Yeah. And then backfill those people. I, you know, I know for me, I'm not particularly good with micro details. Yeah. You know, I... <clears throat> I like, ah, that's minutiae, you know, move on with it. Mm. And though I have, and I will, and I'll dig into the trenches when I need to do that, but I'm way more suited for big vision, communication, right. um, elevating people, getting things started, and then handing them off to people who are better than I am. And the second that you start to step into the things that you weren't created to do, it, I'm sure it drains you. Oh my You're gosh. like, I can't even stand to do this another second. That's actually the stuff when I come home and I have no more brain power. That's mm. what draws me. Where if I come off of a day where we do seven podcasts in a day and I'm just talking about entrepreneurship and vision and we're, we're talking about building the business and what we're going to do and yada yada. I'm like, I'll stay up till 10, 11, 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> but you have a day where I'm just doing back office stuff, 7.30 when the girls go to bed. My daughters, I'm right there behind them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Out, out cold. Amen to that, man. Yeah. What um, What do you wish you would have known about just like running a business um, that you didn't really know when you got started, you know, five, six years ago? That's a great question, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm thankful that I didn't know what I didn't know because right. I don't know if I would have started a business, to be completely <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> right, well, let's let's break that down. I think that's super important. But yeah, what do, what do you mean by that? I I really value security. Mm. Um, I've learned that about myself. It's just something that I need. I'm not a massive risk. I, I, my risk tolerance is fairly low at times, mm. um, it, especially as I've gotten older and the more children that I have, I'm like, the risk starts to go down for me. Right. Um, and there, yeah, there's pros and cons of that. Um, so man, I, I don't, I don't know. I think because I just didn't know and I was able to just like jump off a cliff and just figure it out on the way, I, it was really good for me because if I would have known like, man, you're going to have this many sleepless nights and you're going <laughs> to like get punched in the balls this many times by <laughs> clients or whatever. Like, I don't know if I would have just signed up for that right away. Right. But, um, you know, I just think of that, that verse in Romans five that just talks about how endurance produces uh, character and character produces hope. And um, man, that endurance piece is like, that's the best part about entrepreneurship. It is, is like a tribulation. It is not what most people cloud it out to be of like, you're sitting on a yacht. No, it's like, you're getting kicked in the balls all the time, nonstop. Yeah. And you just have to endure through it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think for specifically our audience, we'll call the late start entrepreneur, um, some of the ways to overcome that. Cause I think at a certain point when you have a family and you have a wife and you have kids, mm consistency does matter, right? you know, but that's why it's so important as you're going through your career to build up other assets, right? 100%. So for me, making the transition wasn't as painful because I had cash producing assets, right? right? I had some sort of income coming in and then I had other skills that afford us, you know, opportunity for consulting gigs and so on and so forth to bridge the gap in order to get to real scale that we needed, right? Right. I don't like living off my investments if I can help it, but right. that's what they're there for, you know? 100%. And then I think there's also a certain level of cash that you need to have in the bank that makes you feel really warm and fuzzy. I know for me, that's one year of living expenses. Yeah. And that's my family does not have to change their life. My kids don't have to give up sports. We don't have to give up going out to eat, doing mm -hmm. all those kinds of things. So that's a great way to put yourself into the right frame of mind. Cause as soon as that personal life starts to bleed over into your business, you're screwed. It's over. You're starting to make those bad decisions of, you know, 
uh, empire building. Hey, we need to go do this to get revenue. And we need to do that to do revenue. We need to take in this bad deal just for the money right yeah, now. I hate this customer. He's a jerk, but we're going to take him anyways. And, happens, then, and yeah. then you, that bleeds over to your employees and then they have a crappy experience. And, and it blows up. Yeah. And then it, it co- doubles back on you and eventually mm-hmm. you lose those employees and they burn out. And that's like it. We, we already alluded to the, the agency model is it's tough as it is, man. Customers mm-hmm. are incredibly demanding and they don't fully understand what they're asking for most of the time. Right. To them, it's like coloring in a coloring book. It's like, yeah, this is not, we're building out a website from scratch, you know? Right. So, right. So I think those are the ways that you over, you overcome that. But I think you got to be managing those other pillows of your life too. You know, personal finance is one of them. Your family is crucial. Yeah. Your physical health. I think that's a big one too, mm-hmm. that people are willing to sacrifice their health, right? right? To go get money and then they'll give up their money in order to get their health back. Right. And it's like, why are we doing that to ourselves? Right. It's because we don't have a long-term perspective. And right. I, think, I think one of the advantages of being a Christian entrepreneur is the endurance. Mm. The, the race is not done when I die. Right. right. The race is just getting started. Right. Right. I mean, you know, 80, 90 years of your life is small in the grand scheme of eternity. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think that's what you're doing with Foundry Advisors is so important to constantly remind people that they are not their business. Right. Their business is just something that they have as a gift that God gave them. Right. It, equally, the race isn't over. And also there's victory without me even have to do anything. Yes, Like exactly. I already have victory because of what somebody else did for me. And so I don't have to go and like produce to show my value. Yes. Right. 100%. That's the great, that's the great part of like, I, I could not be an entrepreneur if I didn't have Jesus. Like period. Cause I don't know how people do it. I don't either. Yeah, man. But my, it was incredibly relieving when I just gave like all my businesses up to God and just said, you know what, this isn't really mine anyways. So mm. if it all blows up, then I guess that's what you wanted it to be. Right. Just took some pressure off. My job is to just manage it right. and manage it well right. and steward that well. And uh, it's incredibly uh, relieving. Mm. So it's good. Yeah. I love that. What, um, what, what do you got to get done in the next three years to kind of be on pace for your 10 year vision for what you got going on with your life. I think, you know, like for me personally, I'll give you an example. My 10 year vision where my wife and I are building an endowment. So we don't want to just tithe and give. We want to, we want to be able to make financial gifts in perpetuity. Mm. And I I can either give my money to the government Mm. or I can put it into an endowment that we own and we manage that then goes into investments that we put together. Cause I feel like I'm a better steward of the gifts than the government is with the money breach. And now instead of just making, you know, one contribution to a church one time, I can give them a hundred thousand dollars a year for life. Right. Right. So that's what ours is. But what does that look like for you? No, man. I mean, I, again, this is why I say you're an inspiration uh. <laughs> because I, you know, I want to follow the same path in that way. And um, I've always been a big believer in not putting all my eggs in one basket. I think there's really, there, there's value in that at first season. Um, but since a young, you know, at a young age, I've just been buying real estate and I just keep moving, move into it, rent it out, move into something else, rent it out. So I've been doing that, man. Yeah. And again, that's the piece where I I feel like I can have some security. Um, so I just want to keep building up those assets so that I, I can be really faithful and really generous, um, while still being able to take care of my family. And the ultimate goal for me, man, is I want to be able to work on my businesses because I get to, yeah. not because I have to, because I have a big mortgage to pay and because my my kids are going to go to sport, do sports and all the things, right? Yeah. Um, the the get to is a really fun place to be. Not, I, I literally have to do it. I have to take this bad deal. I have to partner with this, like I have to do all these things 
to get where I want to be versus like, I get to just be in this place. I get to just delight in entrepreneurship, right? Because a lot of the time it's toil and it's hard and it's like, I mean, it, it's just brutal work. Yeah. Uh, but when you can get to the place where like, I get to do the things that I want to do and that I'm gifted at and that actually make the world a better place. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people get into business and they just look at their business as a way to make money. Uh, they're never looking at it as an asset. Like I look at, I look at building a business just like I look at real estate. It's mm-hmm. an asset that one day can be sold, franchised, merged, or just put into a position where it just creates cash flow right. and frees me up to go focus on purpose. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's really like four freedoms that entrepreneurs are chasing: freedom of time, freedom of money, freedom of relationship, and freedom of purpose. That's the ultimate one. Mm-hmm. And too many entrepreneurs get caught in freedom of money before freedom of time and then their business never really grows you know what i mean or they finally figure it out and they feel like they can't let go of the key relationships in the business wow and it's like at a certain point your business is not going to need you and that's okay Mm. Um, but you have to from day one be building the business in a way that affords you that opportunity to step out Um, the business is not you Mm. you're not the business and that's why people don't let it go because it's ego driven right And, and then then you have this team of irreplaceable people on this asset that creates cash flow so that you can go do that. Mm. So I think you could do the same thing with the businesses that you have. You know, I know you're no, you're really going through a self-discovery period right Mm. now, but dude, you've, it is a lot of work to go start a business from scratch. You know what I mean? So sometimes it's just, you got to go like re-engineer and reinvent, you know, and sometimes the things like getting kicked in the head and some of the, the transition that you've been going through is the best thing that could happen to you because it forces you to now put that under the magnifying glass and actually say, this is what I need to do. Mm. This is a great business. I do love it. I just need to fall back in love with it because I don't have clear vision on where I want to go and what I need to do in order to get there. You know, So I mean? good. Yeah. Could not agree more, man. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to be in a place of getting kicked in the head and thinking, saying, Oh, thank you. Like I'm, yeah. I'm great. You know, that felt so good. That felt so good. <laughs> right. Yeah. No one's going to say that. But if you can have that mindset of, listen, this, this is not for forever. And also there's a reason for this. He's going to work it for my good. Amen. And, like endure it out with character you know and if i can if i can still love my family really well and love my son and and love my you know my my close people well during a season of getting kicked in the head like i'm gonna be in a good spot right like yeah dude i mean it's like are you gonna fight or are you gonna run right and we were made to fight Mm. you know so don't cower don't let don't let um don't let the devil win come on that's what he wants right yeah it's going to be hard duh that's what you signed up for Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's just, um, it's just a new opportunity to do it differently. So good, you know what I mean, man. So just, I just want to encourage you. Mm. Uh, I know I called you the other day, and I was I told you that after we had coffee, I said, "Man, I think, I think you're just lacking some clarity right now." And so, just keep going, dude. You've you've busted your tail to get where you're at right now. You're doing some good stuff. Continue to fill that cup, but mm. just look deep on what you got in front of you, yeah, and the gift that you've been given and, and that you've built, because I think you can. Mm still make it into something even more incredible than probably what you're even imagining at the moment. Mm. And maybe you just need some, somebody to come in and like help you reframe that. It's good, man. That's good. Yeah. I I need guys in my life to smack me upside the head and say, man, you're not thinking big enough or you're not thinking clear enough. Right. It's one of the two. So here's what I've learned. Right. Cause I, I've done that. Like I've, I've, I've been burnt out by dealing with employees. Mm. I mean, when you get to a company that's 600 people, you see some stuff you've never seen. You've never thought you would see. It's right. like a reality TV show. <laughs> For sure. Straight up. I'll, I'll tell you a story. We had a literally 
husband, wife worked, wife had an affair with another married person at the organization. Mm. You, I never thought I would see that. Right. So, and everybody knows what's going on. Right. Right. So that could put a really bad taste in my mouth. Oof. Like, I don't ever want to have to deal with that many people. Mm. But as I've gone along in my journey, what I realize is I have a responsibility to build a company to where there, there's an environment where that would never happen. Right. Right. And so don't cower, don't run away from it. Right. Just see it as an opportunity. And so people will say things like, oh, I don't like dealing with employees or I don't want to have that many employees. When sometimes like it's just because they're burned out and stressed out from dealing with employees. Right. Right. And having to go through the process of like resetting the expectation and resetting the tone and, mm. and level setting is incredibly uncomfortable. It's a hard conversation to have. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so sometimes we just need to have some people on our quarter to help us work up the courage mm. so we can go back and have those conversations. And then on the other side of it, it's not as scary as we thought it would be. Right. 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 Man, I love the small company feel, you know, our, our 12 employees, man, it, because we've established such a culture of integrity and accountability, uh, it, it becomes a really fun space where it's like, it, that's not ever going to happen. Like right. that would be wild if it happened with our 12 employees, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Um, and so when you have a culture that's like just, it's a fun environment to be in and everybody has the same level of integrity. Yeah. Oh man. Well, it's a completely, it's a game changer. Well, this is, I love that you said that the same level of integrity. This is a core values thing too. So some of the things that I've seen over the years is by not speaking boldly about your faith, mm. you allow people into the ecosystem who are the Trojan horse. Mm, derail it. And they derail it from mm. the inside out, right? And and they become the minor the majority. Right. And then all of a sudden you're you're a minority in your own company. Mm. Right. So there's there's literally no value in not being bold in your belief set and what you believe. Um, so that you don't attract the wrong people right. into your ecosystem too. So good word, man. Good word. So, well, let's kind of wrap it up, man. We've been chopping it up for a little bit, but you know, let's just say there's a, uh, a late start entrepreneur and they're listening to this right now and they're looking for some encouragement or some advice on how to pivot, how to take that next step. What would you tell them? Yeah. I, a couple of things. First of all, what we talked about in, in the middle of this podcast is key because it's been key for me. The, the self-awareness piece of really understanding yourself is I think the only reason that I've seen some success, right? right. It, because I do feel like I'm self-aware enough to know that I suck at like 98% of things <laughs> and the 2%, two like I'm really good at and I, that's actually why God put me here on this earth and I wanna quadruple down on it. Yep. Um, you know, we work with lots of clients and some of the clients that we work with, I look at them and uh, there is a, a dissonance, a disconnect between what they're actually good at and, um, yeah, what they're trying to be what good they're at. trying to be good at, and that's and it actually destroys cultures and it can destroy a business um, when someone tries to do too much or think that they're really good at you know specific things. So, I, I would say until you really understand yourself, there, you just can't like you can't have a successful business because you're going to try to do a lot of the things that either drain you or. Uh, you know, are going to blow up the business because you just don't know yourself. 100%. Do you guys use any tools or anything to help you guys better understand who you are and what you're good at and what seat you might be sitting in? My wife and I are Enneagram nerds. Okay. Like we nerd out about this stuff. Um, and I, yeah, it's not that, you know, the number that 
I'm boxed into is an actual box for me, but it is helpful for me to understand like- it's a frame of reference. Yeah. No, are you familiar? Enneagram? Enneagram. I, I'm more, I've used DISC okay. and um, Strength Finders are the okay. two that I use, but- yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I'm a hard three on the Enneagram. Okay, what's that mean? Three is the driver. Um, it's the the pioneer, the opportunist. Um, it, it's normally someone that's fairly charismatic, the go-getter. Um, when a three is in unhealth, they go to a nine. And a nine is somebody who is uh, very conflict avoidant, mm. um, is not gonna be the one that's gonna call you out, um, is drained by is drained by any sense of tension. Mm. Um, and so that's how I know I'm unhealthy when I'm like, I literally can't do another. I can't get in the fight anymore. Like I can't have this fight with my wife. I can't imp- confront this employee because I just don't want to do it. It's right. just too hard. Like that's how I know, okay, I'm unhealthy right now. Mm. You know? Um, but that's so valuable though to take inventory like that. 100%, 100%. Yeah, and my wife is a, is a um, she's a hard two and she's also um, an eight and an eight is a challenger. Like she leads life from challenging. Um, so it's just interesting to see how that plays out in our relationship. And then we had our whole staff take the Enneagram and it's just good for me to know how do I connect with my employees? Because me coming on strong to an eight is actually how they feel loved. Right. Like they're like, give me, I want the boldness. Coach me coach. Yeah. yeah. And the nine is like, I, man, this is too much for me. Like, don't, don't come at me with you know, like, you need to go in really soft with the nine. Yeah. Um, and so just like knowing where, where my employees are, even where my clients are at, like, how do I love them well with their any grand number? So, um, that self-awareness piece is, is crucial. Yeah. And it, to your point, like it's not an end all be all and people can actually evolve and change over time. Yeah. Life events happen so on yeah. and so forth, but it's kind of like uh, love languages, mm. right? Like we tend to love the way that we like to be loved. Right. So I, my love languages are physical touch words of affirmation. Those are my top two. But my wife, on the other hand, is time and acts of service. Yeah. Right? So, you know, I'm giving her what I think is love, right? I'm home, hugging, affectionate, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm doing everything I can. I'm telling her I love her. I'm telling her she's awesome and I appreciate her and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. But I'm gone for like 12 hours a day and I'm burning the candle at both ends. Right. And she's like, dude, I just want to be in the same room with you and like not talk about business. <laughs> yeah. You know, so we tend to do that same thing when we go to coach our employees. You know, mm. sometimes people need it tough. Sometimes people need it soft. Sometimes they need a combination of both in order to get them over the hump. I have employees where, you know, we, we run the soft encouraging route. And then finally, like, you just have to have a conversation with them, which is, hey, man, you need to make a move or this is not a good fit for you. Right. And then they finally snap out of it, you know. So it's, yeah, that's that's the emotional part of entrepreneurship that nobody talks about. Right. To be a great leader, man, you have to constantly be putting your heart on your sleeve and and loving on people and serving people and right. pouring into people. And that's exhausting. And you have to be self-aware enough to know what you need and then also what, you know, aware enough, socially aware enough to know what other people need, like you just said. Because, you know, you can fall on two ends of the, of the spectrum. You can be the bulldozer that's coming in and is like aggressive all the time and, and just calling people out on their BS, even if they need it, but it's just nonstop. Right. There, it's like this fear-based leadership. Yes. That doesn't work. And then there's the other side where it's the meek leader who, who isn't going to confront you because they don't want the tension. And so they're going to just let you live in your um, unhealth or your lack of production as an employee. Um, and everybody suffers now. Oh, 100%. One, one of the ways that we've been able to like o- avoid that, you know, both ends of the spectrum, avoiding the passivity and letting the conversation go on or not had for too long mm. and being too aggressive is just through numbers. Like everybody has a number. 
how do you guys manage that inside of your organization? How do you how do you maintain like a, a scorecard and production numbers and all that? What's that look like for you guys? Yeah, I don't know if we have a scorecard. Um, our performance reviews are um, have been a game changer. We just started this about a year ago, um, six months to a year ago, and it's been really good. Of, of hey, you said you were you committed to doing this, and we met last month, and you didn't hit it. Yeah. And so we need to we need to process through that. And if it happens again, you know we're going to have to look at some different solutions, right? And so I, I actually don't do those performance reviews. I have somebody who manages our staff and does that. That's great. Um, but we want a, we want a culture of accountability. But I agree with you. You do need some KPIs to understand the the numbers and metrics of like, here's the data. Like it's not just emotional. Here's the data of why right. you're not hitting the mark. Well, yeah, it, it's only a hard conversation when it goes on for a long time and you don't address it. Like yeah. somebody shows a blade every single day, you know, 15 minutes late and you don't address it for six months. All of a sudden they're going to be like, well, I always show up late. What, right. Why are we having this conversation now? You know, right. So the numbers definitely have helped us avoid that um, because you're either hitting the numbers or you're not. The other thing that I've learned it helps with is now they know what metrics they should be looking at mm. in order to identify success. Because if I just say, hey, why aren't you getting more sales? Mm. And they're not getting more sales. Right. Then it's like, okay, well, it's the activities that you're yeah. not doing that are leading to that. You're not making enough phone calls. You're not posting enough content. You're not hitting right. enough networking events, yada, 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 you know? Right. And this is my biggest regret as a leader and as an entrepreneur is not firing faster. Mm. Um, you know, I, I kept a, a web developer too long. And what happens is when you don't fire somebody and you don't con- confront them soon enough is everybody sees their behavior and says like, well, he's, he's letting, he's letting them get away with it. Like right. then maybe I can start to do stuff and get away with it too. And it just creates this culture of like, I, I should have just nipped it in the butt and made an example out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's my biggest regret. So Yeah, and sometimes it's not even getting away with it as much as it's just resentment because top performers don't like mediocre players. Good you word. Know what I mean? Good word. That's it. Yeah. And, and again, like back to the scorecard, not to hammer this point home, but for us, we found with the scorecard and holding people accountable to that, mm-hmm. I don't have to fire you. You will self-select out of the process right. because the you can't consistently miss the scorecard mm. and then not feel like some sense of like, okay, maybe I'm not a good fit for this. Just a self-pruning garden. Yeah, self-pruning garden. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Well, let's close with this, man. If, if people connected with you and they want to reach out, maybe learn more about your story, maybe be a part of the Foundry Advisory or even uh, engage Beyond Blue for uh, services, what's the best way for them to reach out to you and connect? Yeah, go to our websites, beyondbluemedia.com or thefoundryadvisory.com. Um, yeah, both have forms where you can fill out, get connected with somebody. Um, yeah. What about LinkedIn? Are you, are you heavy on LinkedIn? Heavy on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. That's like your main platform, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sweet. We'll put all those in the show notes, man, but I really appreciate you being here, sharing your heart, man. And I just can't wait to see what you do next. Thanks brother. Thanks Thanks for having me on.